Hello, good day everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers Podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host, Kevin Finkel, joined here by my co-host and one of our favorite recurring guests. Hello everybody, I am Ryan, the Cardboard Samurai out of the Tokyo area of Japan, and our guest is... Hello, it's Claudio again. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, so you're coming at us... Yeah, coming to us right after a big tournament here, so that's part of uh, what we want to go ahead and speak about today. You know, if we got you on, we want to keep our competitive side slightly more focused rather than, uh, you know, me and Ryan can kind of run off topic otherwise. Um, But that's kind of, you know, two big pieces of news right now is that there was a big tournament this last weekend. We're recording it Sunday night just after the tournament's really finished. We're also getting our first look at Kamigawa Neon Destiny spoilers. So those are kind of the two things we want to touch on tonight. You know, get your first take on some things that are coming out, uh, as well as what you thought about, you know, the meta right now with the uh, this big event just wrapping up. So mm-hmm. shit. That sounds really nice. Yeah, so I wanted to say thank you for uh, saving us from ourselves, Claudio. Because yes, we do go off topic a lot on this podcast sometimes. But, oh, uh, isn't that part of the charm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, first question. Let's let's start with that event. So you were in the event, I believe. You said <clears throat> you told me. How did you do, and how did you prepare for it? I did pretty poorly. I started off well. I started uh, four one, and I lost a couple matches in a row. Honestly, I was pretty busy with work this weekend, so I couldn't mm. really focus on the tournament. Which was a problem, so I I couldn't say that I really was focusing on on like the the matches because I couldn't, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. But overall, it was really funny playing mono traders because you you play against some off the wall decks. Mm-hmm. Like I played against Abza mid range a couple times, for example, mm-hmm. like Siege Rhinos, Odell Jazz. But I played against a bunch of Phoenix as well, Ascendancy, so the metagame is kind of what you expected with the few oddball decks here and there. So did it feel like you were at like a, a Grand Prix again? Was there like a really large number of players? Uh, I think it was uh, close to 200 players in the tournament, actually. It's not bad. It's not GP level, but still, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It, it's a small tournament that you have to qualify for at the mm-hmm. end of the day, so... Yeah, it's it's the first one of those I'm playing as well, so I'm kind of new in, into this. And what deck did you play? I played Niv because, okay. like, since I was so busy with work and last week I did I did pretty well in the Pioneer Showcase. I didn't even have time to test, so mm-hmm. I just kind of went with the same with, with the same list I I topated the event. And is that also what you used to uh, qualify for the Mana Trader series? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. I played a, I played a bit of Incarnation as well, but mostly I played Niv. How did the rest of the attack team do? Do you know? Uh, oh, you're just uh, putting, the, putting the nails in the coffin yeah. over here, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I was, I, 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 I was kind of disappointed. I was sad for everybody. I wish... I heard, you know, Martin didn't do good, and I heard that, you know, Emmett didn't do too well. So Harry thirteen had a nice start off, is yeah. what I understand. Uh, I think Akaros yeah, lost me, his first round. Me and, and Martin were on the same record. Then we both like fell off the tournament pretty hard. Yeah. Was the time difference a key, or I mean, I don't know. Maybe for him, or mm, for you, for me, 
it started like it started like in a pretty good time for him probably like uh, the mid like in the evening for him I think. Mm. So yeah, I mean sometimes tournaments don't go your way. Like la- last weekend in the showcase, a bunch of people from Tech Team did really well in the tournament. A bunch of us qualified. Mm-hmm. So like it's this magic swings, right? Sometimes you do really well, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a tournament like this, everyone who got into it had already had to qualify, so there weren't really any free wins in this oh, tournament. Oh, yeah, like for this. sure. So, like, every single one my, of them. My was, third uh, round, yeah. I played against Salvato, which is a, a really good player, pro, high-level Pro Tour player, and there was a bunch... Player of the year, yeah, right? Player of the, yeah, so yeah. You, like, the level of competition in this event was pretty high. Well, do you guys want to talk about some of the, the lists that made the top eight? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and go right into it. So we've got the top eight list uh, pulled up here, uh, at least to be able to look at that. You know, there were a lot of decks played in the tournament, mm-hmm. but we're going to start by looking at those. So I put these in the deck list for any of our listeners um, in our channel, in our Discord channel, and I pinned them. So if you uh, want to check these out later, just head right over to the deck list. Um, you want me to read, them, read off the, the list, and then maybe we can see, uh, you know, Claudio can kind of tell us, you know, what he thinks of, you know, some of these lists. And... So give us the archetypes, and then we'll yeah. go into uh, some individuals yeah. here. Okay, so uh, it looks like top eight was Jeskai Ascendancy, Lotus Field Combo, Naya Winota, Mono Green Devotion, Rakdos Blood, uh, and another Rakdos Blood, and then two, is it Phoenix as well? Mm-hmm. So, which one should we start with? Which one do you guys want to start with? So, let's start with the easy ones. Let's go with the Phoenixes and, I think, the Jeskai Ascendancy, because I feel like those two, you know, if you're talking about a top eight in Pioneer right now, I don't think anyone's surprised to see those on the top eight lists. If people are not as up-to-date, then they might be more surprised about this Mono Green deck or this Rakdos Blood that got two copies in. So let's start with the uh, the Phoenix here, just to see if there's anything really unique about what these players are bringing to the table here. I do see two Temporal Trespassing in one of these. Is it Phoenix? So two of these. Yeah, so this is the one by um, Kane Reinhardt, I believe. Yeah, I think they're running the exact same same uh, 75, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, looks very similar so far. I'm just taking a peek if there's any differences. So both on two Galvanic Iteration, two Temporal Trespass, and four pieces of the puzzle. And also, I know that they're up to uh, two Hall of the Storm Giants. That's been kind of a key part of this deck's game plan I've seen lately with Temporal Trespasses. Being able to have that extra 7-7 on an extra turn can be really important Mm -hmm. about uh, turning Mm -hmm. over the game. Yeah, so they have the exact same list, but one has uh, four disputes, and one has a negate over dispute in the sideboard. Otherwise, it's the same list, I think. Ah, yep. Yep, looks like it. So 74-card mirror here. Anything too surprising about these lists, or about the fact that two of them made it to top 8? Uh, not really. Like I think the the top eight kind of, <clears throat> sorry, it tells the story of what I was talking about. Like this event was, uh, filled with decks you would expect from the meta game, but some oddball decks like uh, Monogreen Devotion and like the the Naya Winota deck that you don't see that much. But otherwise, uh, seeing Phoenix and like the Rakdos decks is not a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about fair. 
Uh, and I know that one of these Phoenix decks won the tournament. Is that correct? Uh, do you happen to know which one of uh, it was? Either it was Kane. So Kane Reinhardt. Or, okay. Yeah. I think the finals was uh, Kane versus Mogs on Mono Green. Ah, interesting. So I kind of want to ask about these Rakdos decks because I really don't understand why they're doing love them. doing better than like all the other Rakdos decks out there. You know, like uh, Arcanist. So I was just talking earlier to someone about why I think this Rakdos blood is better than Arcanist, and I think the two big things for me is that you know Arcanist could really struggle to have an aggressive plan when you don't have Kroxa coming back. Like until you get Kroxa coming back, you're swinging for you know like one power creatures, maybe two power creatures. It can be really slow into things like the combo decks, the control decks. If they can you know shut you down, if they're not helping you fill your graveyard, mm-hmm. you're kind of not doing very much. So. I feel like the Rakdos Blood deck, it actually has a little bit more interaction. It has a better aggressive plan with things like the 3-2 the Blood Type Harvesters. Um, and on top of that, it has ways to get rid of all of its cards that do feel dead in the matchups. So they can you know, just get rid of their Fatal Pushes by discarding them to Blood Token. So it, it ends up feeling like it's got more interaction, less dead cards, and a more aggressive plan. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those things are very important, especially with so much combo in the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. And you also are not... I mean, uh, Graveyard Hate is good against you, but it doesn't stop you in your tracks, mm-hmm. I think. Which is kind of kind of kind of good, yeah. But I I agree with uh, what he said. I, I, like these decks feel really good to play. Like I played a bunch of uh, matches with this deck this week, and it gives you a ton of venues in your games. Like the blood tokens are really good at na- enabling revolt, cycling dead cards. I, I, this deck is like really fun to play. Yeah, the other thing I've heard about it is that it feels like there's a lot that you can do every turn you know you've got am i bringing back croxa am i discarding blood tokens mm-hmm. am i sacrificing a creature am i playing blood tithe or bloodthirsty adversary and recasting spells like a, a lot of their cards are modal and flexible so it feels like you always have a lot of different lines you're not it, you know it's one of the least linear decks you can play sometimes i, I wanted yep. to say that um wizards has to be happy that a lot of their new cards is are seeing play in uh pioneer you know you don't sell packs to play modern, or say you don't. You don't sell packs to modern players or legacy players, usually. But like, I mean, there's so many decks right now, like like Rakdos Blood, for example, that are using all these cards from like Midnight Hunt and you know Crimson Vow, and then you got you know cards like you know, you know Consider that we also have, and you know all these other, you know, re- recently printed cards. I mean, they got to be happy about that. Well, if they want to help us even more, give us back some good paper events. There we and we'll, go. Uh, we'll happily buy those same cards in exactly. paper. Exactly. Uh, right now, it's a little bit, you know, we love these moto events, but would love to see some support for organized play. Definitely been a tough week for that. I don't know if you wanted to touch on, you know, the news with uh, Star City Games at all. You know, they let go of a lot of their yeah. content creators this week, especially on the competitive side of things. and. You know, that that's kind of heartbreaking for me. I definitely felt that pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, it's end of an era. Yeah. You know, kind of my personal story, like, I had been out of the magic for a long time, and then my brother, like, sent me a video, like, oh, hey, here's what Legacy's like, like, sent me a, you know, coverage from an SCG event, and then I went and just started watching all of the old events. That's what got mm-hmm. me back into magic. So you can kind of thank SCG for all the money I've spent over the years here, Wizards, like, uh... Mm-hmm. 
hopefully it's not a uh, yeah like hopefully... that, that was my favorite weekend uh, weekend events like i would just uh, watch coverage of the star city uh, game events mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. with friends and uh, yeah i mean it was inter- an integral part of my magic experience back in the day and so, it's really sad yeah, I don't to think see everything go here's Here's my hot take is that recently because of the pandemic everybody's been going online to Twitch or like YouTube or some other streaming platforms and stuff like that and I think people have become more accustomed to watching uh things online um instead of like going to events and I want to say that having paper events again and you know going back to coverage and stuff like that would actually be better this time around than it was before because people are going to have stuff on in the background. You know, they're going to be playing or watching it all day long, you know, while they're at home. And this is something that wasn't the case before because everybody was out doing stuff, maybe, you know, you know, busy that weekend, etc. But nowadays, I mean, it's sad they let everybody go, but I definitely hope that they, you know, kind of reconsider uh, you know, bringing back people like Cedric or, you know, having other people on there to do coverage in the future. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we got to give a shout out to this Monitrator series in particular. Mm-hmm. Just had, uh, it was what, Brad Nelson, yep. Corey Ballmaster, and Todd Anderson commentating. And it, it was extremely entertaining to have high level, yeah. you know, most of the time commentary on on the matches as they're ongoing. Yeah. The so, events that they, they hold are like, pretty important these days i think mm-hmm. and they are also doing this monthly tournament that they always done and it's uh there's going to be a huge tournament at the end of the year mm-hmm. i'm very excited for that one it's like a mana traders championship or something nice that one's that one's going to be great so they're they're doing uh, some of the work <clears throat> yeah but it, it's pretty sad this there's about like the certain situation it's understandable understandable their decision to be honest mm. like wizard mm-hmm. wizard is not going in a direction where they're supporting organized play that much and mm. like covid still going on the demand for for the competitive competitive content must have gone down mm-hmm. so yeah it's like it's understandable but still very sad in my opinion well, and I wonder, you know, maybe this is me being negative, but I wonder if it does have to do with the price of playing Magic lately has felt like it's been going up and up, and that makes it harder to, you know, if, if your player base is spending all their money on the cards and fewer people can join because it's expensive, mm-hmm. I feel like that makes things like sponsored content more difficult because you've got a smaller player base and their money's going to the cards, not to, you know, things like an SEG premium or whatever mm-hmm. else. I'm not sure. Like, may, like the the purpose of the articles is like promotion for people to buy cards and go to player events, for example. And those are, yeah. aren't really happening. Like some of them are happening, but not as much as they were before. So I, I, yeah, I, I was bet it's thinking that was a theory, not saying that's definitely yeah, yeah. happening. Yeah, I, I bet it's a bunch of factors uh, that led them to this decision. Yeah. You know. Well, I, I got us off topic anyways here, Ryan. I know it's something I want to touch <laughs> mm. on personally. Though. No, it's good. It's, it's a nice little uh, offshoot there. Do you guys want to go back to the rest of the top eight then? Yep. That's... Yes, yes. Back to the top eight. That's where so... we were. Um, so we had looked at the Phoenix list. We looked at these blood lists. So as far as uh, there are some differences there, it does still feel like people are really trying to figure out what they want. You know, Blood Tithe Harvester, 
that's been an all-star. People were playing it even when they were on the non-Luris versions of this deck. Um, Kroxa has been back and forth. You know, some people love it, some people feel medium on it. Looks like three or four is uh, what these two players are both deciding on. Uh, they're both on four of the Epicures. So where there are some differences, um, one of these players is trying out a couple Magmatic Channeler and some Asylum Visitors. Mm -hmm. The other one is running the Bloodthirsty Adversaries that I've liked for a while and some Stitcher Supplier as an additional way to mill themselves. So that, that's helping them support the fourth Kroxa they're running. Other than that, the spell suite is mostly consistent. Mm. Uh, one of them is playing Ingrats from Page. The other is playing Right, the other one is playing Dreadbore, I want to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this real quick. Would you consider Rakdos Blood to just be like a variant of of Arcanist? Like, because Ar Arc, I mean, it seems like a lot of the spells are kind of the same that what Arcanist was playing. And, you know, you even have like Kroxa in there as well. But you're just changing up the creature suite to be less. Um, how could I say, uh, less weak to, um, you know, graveyard hate and stuff like that. Well, that's kind of all in on that spells plan, I think is a big part of it. And it's kind of a, you know, it's broader than that because we've been seeing, you know, red, black mid-range decks showing up all season. I think it's really just that there are really good spells. There's a few good creatures in the colors and people are still trying to figure out what the best combination of those mm -hmm. is. So I think the idea now is that it's probably not Dreadhorde Arcanist. Um, is it a version that doesn't play Luris and goes up to Soren? Is it this version that gets to play the Kroxas? Is it going to end up being something in between? We'll, we'll kind of mm -hmm. see that. And it's looking more like this Rakdos Blood version is kind of the most powerful, most flexible. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, we're, we're getting <clears> to the <throat> end of the season here. We're just having Kamigawa spoilers come out. Maybe it will not be decided until we've got new cards. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. who, who knows yet if something's going to affect it. Yeah, I would say like Ar Arcanist is very disruptive disruptive like it's very synergistic and very disruptive and this deck is less disruptive and more aggressive is slanted mm -hmm. so which is something i like like you're try you're kind of trying to win the game faster than the other reckless decks which is like a problem mm -hmm. if you're playing a bunch of this card you just give them so much time that they can top deck on you mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that um, it's less all-in than the Arcanist deck, because the Arcanist deck, you know, it often felt like if you're winning, you win very hard. You know, you've got a Kroxon play, and it feels like there's just no way out. Or, you know, you're, you're recurring Thoughtseize with your Dreadhorde Arcanist, and the game just ends because of that. Um, but if you don't get ahead, you don't get to that situation, mm -hmm. it can feel like it's not doing very much. And I feel like this one's more, you know, more of a classic mid-range almost. Okay. All right. So yeah, but uh, let, let me say something. I was playing today in the challenge, and I was playing Nev, and Yasharn is really good against this deck. Oh it's, yeah, <laughs> it stops more things than you would think. So like, so you can't you can't blood tithe harvester. You can't activate the blood. You can't deadly dispute. Yeah, it's exactly, yeah, exactly yeah. pretty relevant. So like, this is kind of a not, not let's not say that Yasharn is a card that's that played. But it's kind of a weakness that this has that the other decks don't, which is kind of funny. Play green-white. And, you know, there was a fair amount of Jund food this weekend, but we didn't see any of those in the top eight. We also didn't see a control list make top mm. eight, which is surprising. I had seen, you know, not just blue-white, but also some other, you know, Sultai, some blue-black, uh, a handful of things while I was watching coverage. Yeah, we, we saw control at the God of Pioneer a couple of weeks back, but... Hmm. Blue-white, I think, made top eight. Yeah, those have felt... 
you know, to me, those have looked like they might be a little too fair. Uh, like I know Todd Anderson has been trying really hard to make Sultai, um, you know, Nissa mm-hmm. work and has been struggling with it. Um, but let's look at some slightly less fair things of all these combo decks. So this Just Guys Tendency list, um, not too much to say here. And the only thing I want to look at, you know, is now that we were off Omnath, what they've been doing with those kind of four flex slots. This one is on two chained, or sorry, two growth spiral. And they're up to six removal spells in the main deck with two chained and four portable hole. Yep. As well as a main deck mystical dispute. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have seen this this before. Like people have been doing this for a while. The spicy uh, mystical disputes. I love the silences in the sideboard. I yep. Um, and I know. I'm trying to remember the player that was even putting them main for a little while. Uh, it's an interesting card. It definitely plays best in this deck. It lets you go for that combo turn um, and, and can just, you know, kind of give you a time walk against certain decks. Yeah, like the nice thing is that you can stop other people's combos as well. Like if you're playing against Phoenix and they play Govan Iteration and you, in response, play your silence, you uh, basically prevented them from, from taking extra turns. Uh, mm-hmm. In their mirror match, if they cast Sylvan Awakening, you silence in response. They lost their their combo piece for for no reason. Yeah, so it has applications. I just I love Sylvan Awakening is the combo win. Yeah, I mean it's a p- pretty clean one. It uh, takes no time to kill you. You know, it's a it's a nice one. And I remember saying when this yeah. first came out. I remember me and uh, Kevin Salzman first came out in Frontier. This this combo deck, you know, well, I, I made it up in front yeah, here pretty yeah. much, <laughs> and like I'm like, oh my god, this is unless so someone else can call me out on it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I've been saying a few times that I'm probably the first person to play a Sylvan Awakening with a with a Just Guy Ascendancy in play. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I I, I was so uh, how can I say impressed that I went out and I, I I mean I have like twenty of these Sylvan Awakenings now. It's like gone for like five. Yeah, five I tried to get you each. play it in Japan. Show them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> show them the frontier scene over I'm there. Not big brain enough for that though. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy to oh, see. Oh yeah, it. it's tricky. Um, do you want to talk about the other combo deck now then? Yeah, so we also did get a Lotus Field. This one also looks, um, I would say, relatively stock. You know, a second thought distortion in the sideboard. Mm. Other than that, mm-hmm. this 75 looks uh, pretty straightforward. Interesting that this is not the um, the black version with Dark Petition. So yeah, they're not running the Dark Petition, which is what I've seen kind of as the latest adaptation. They are still running a Galvanic Iteration. That's kind of where that's been replaced, um, as well as that Masterminds inqui- uh, acquisition. I yeah. I didn't know they were, they were playing Nine Lives. Is is that something new, or has that been there for a while? That's been there for a while, so it, it can buy you more than a turn. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes a sweeper isn't enough, um, especially for only three mana. It can be really nice to bring that down and usually buy you two turns or at least a full turn against aggro you know not many decks go wide enough that they could punch through it in a single round these yeah Yeah. like you said claudio these these decks feel really clean or maybe it was you that said that um kevin but yeah this just guy sending dc deck the lotus field deck even the like the phoenix decks they feel really clean i wonder are we getting close to being optimized some of these decks I think there's like the quarter of Phoenix, for example, is pretty much solved. But mm-hmm. uh, some sometimes you're going to be wanting to do different things. Like for example, I know that Akros likes to play uh, Cracking Drake and Kazus Fury mm-hmm. because that gives you a different angle. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you might want to do 
depending on mm -hmm. what you're trying to face. Like some people play Hoobreaker Horrors, but like for the main part, this is the deck. Would Would you guys say? Would you guys say? I that? think okay. it. I think it depends on the deck too, as well as the age of the mm -hmm. deck. You know, if we're looking around, when we started this season of Crimson Vow, you know, Phoenix was just learning that they wanted to play Temporal Trespass. Mm -hmm. Um, they've really evolved and now really settled on a, on a list that I think is standard. But, you know, similar, we saw changes in the Jeskai Ascendancy during this mm -hmm. season. We saw big changes in Lotus Field, playing the Emergent Ultimatum in the main, um, running that one of Mastermind's Inquisition, even recently with Dark Petition being added, Galvanic Iteration. Um, and where we're seeing the Rakdos Blood deck, that deck, you know, we, we got two different, two decently different versions in the top eight. So that one feels kind of where Phoenix was at the end of last season, where it was just figuring out some of the new things it wanted to mm -hmm. do. And as we go into the new set of Kamigawa, we'll, we'll see where they want to go from there. So uh, one more question that kind of relates to this, you know, because of all these new players that we've had um, coming to pioneer this season, do you think that we're optimizing decks faster than we have been doing before? I'm not sure. Like, I something that I see a lot when like the new players are coming into Pioneer, they want to explore. You know, they want to mm -hmm. try to do their own thing instead of like uh, like from established yeah instead of networking. Um, yeah, I'm, but like mostly mostly people try to start playing some some deck that's already there to get a feel for the format before mm -hmm. trying to to build anything new. But, yeah, I, I would mm -hmm. also add that we do have definitely ebb and flows in what's popular in the mm -hmm. meta, and that affects what people are trying to do as far as optimization. So, like, Jun Citadel comes and goes, and it's sometimes more aggressive, or sometimes, you know, for Trail of, uh, what is it, Trail of... Crumbs? Crumbs, yeah. Crumbs, yeah, and being very, um, very grindy. We saw some new things, you know, we saw this mono-red deck running all kinds of Eidolon effects. We saw the Boros Heroic deck popping up this season. So I think that those kind of changes make it that you have to adapt that, you know, even if you were thinking that you're optimized, the, the meta does continue to change here. I don't think that we're anywhere close to the point where people are playing the best versions of every deck because there may not be a best version of the deck unless if you know in advance what the, uh, the meta is going to look like. Another thing I wanted to ask you guys real quick is that do you think like Pioneer. So I know in the past, like when uh, a card got banned, for example, it just totally destroyed a deck, and you couldn't, you know, play it any other way. But we've seen that, like for example, with Lotus Field, this used to be the uh, uh, Underworld Fires, right? The original version. On the uh, Underworld Breach. Underworld no. Breach. Yeah, it used to be a yeah, breach deck, breach. and then it came back as this Sultai version. You know that was still able to win and to kind of do the you know the same kind of broken things. So I wonder is is Pioneer in a place where you can choose a deck and just you know switch to different variants of it depending on the metagame or if depending on if your card you know is is taken away or not. Like what do you guys think? Uh, I think that's a bit contextual. Like it's going to depend a lot. I don't know if I I'm playing New Mizzet and they they ban New Mizzet, my deck is is dead. Mm. so it kind of yeah, depends on like back. yeah but I mean, would you be able to... i think a lot of the current decks could probably survive a piece being hit but like winota like winota if you lost winota yeah. it would have to change pretty drastically there could still be a like green white aggro or a green red Some aggro kind of but deck. overall the deck would have changed pretty drastically um i think ascendancy is probably the weakest one as far as being a standalone deck without its main piece mm -hmm. 
Um, but like if if something from Phoenix got banned, like if One Piece got banned, that deck could certainly mm-hmm. find a way to still run. You know, Jun Food could certainly run. Mono Red could run. Uh, Lotus Field would need. You know, it depends on how hard they hit them. But I think that's maybe a topic we could discuss another time. Okay. Maybe of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting topic, but I don't think that we have thought it out enough to give a full answer right this second. We have the filler episode for next season. Hmm. <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, and let's be honest. Like the meta game is pretty healthy right now. So oh yeah, I don't see anything getting banned uh, anytime soon. Yeah, I'm really happy with. Um, want to wrap up with this kind of the spiciest list from this top eight is this mono green devotion list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this list is pretty wild. They're playing like this is kind of the classic mono green devotion list, but it's more creature focused. Like they're mm. not playing uh, five mana Nisa. They're playing three Miscutter Hydra, which is kind of kind of wild. Like mm-hmm. if you make this big enough, Phoenix might have trouble with it. It has reach, right? Mist cutter. It, it no, did it also look haste. good in response to. It has haste and it has protection from, from blue. blue. So it did look good in response to the control decks, um, which we didn't see any making to the top that eight. One. But maybe this deck had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it has mm-hmm. haste and protection from blue. It can't be countered, so it's like a green fireball. Yeah, and I think the the haste does make a big difference in this kind of deck. You know, something like a. It, Getting back after a sweeper was really tough for this mono green mm-hmm. devotion deck, and especially with them losing Nissa, which was the only other way to, you know, haste threat something. Mm-hmm. And it can't be well. I guess it it can still be um, aether gusted on the stack, so that doesn't help too much. But once it's in play, you can't aether gust it. That's nice. Yeah, I mean everything can be aether gusted in this deck, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. <laughs> How crazy is yeah. that sideboard, yeah. though? Yeah, it's you like the the Vivian. Creatures. It's it's the Vivian sideboard, right? Yeah, and and we've seen this before, where people go kind of all in on a Vivian sideboard. Personally, I feel like that's going too far. You know, usually when you've got Vivian in a position where you would think about minus fiving her, you're usually pretty far ahead. Um, like I think that the versions that ran Karn and Vivian would run Ulamog as a target for Vivian and pretty much nothing else. Um, so the fact that they're devoting maybe 10 slots here to just creatures for Vivian. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you could be doing more with your sideboard. I mean, I'm full. I, That's me I personally. Mean, then again, they, they do also side some of these in. Like a surprising number mm-hmm. of these, like I saw Sylvan Primordial was in their main deck post-board in one of the games I was watching uh, on stream. I was right. going to say that, that Timmy and me love this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know that the Ulamog, for example, is something you you got pretty often because your bard could be weak, but you could still have a lot of devotion because of burning three emissaries. Mm-hmm. So the Ulamog was yeah. an easy easy win sometimes. Outland Liberator, I haven't seen that card. <laughs> okay, that one's good. That one's a new artifact and enchantment destroyer. Nice, nice. Until we get to the new set, maybe, where we might have something uh, something better for that. Mm. Yep. So, are we ready to make that segue? Because I, I set us up perfectly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. very smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Just to look a little bit, we wanted to talk. You know, we will do a full set review for Kamigawa and Neon Destiny, but 
especially while we've got Claudio on here, we'd love to hear his first opinions because uh, I don't think we're going to have you for the set review. So um, definitely want to get your first take. So this is Sunday, the 30th that we're recording this. We've only had a few days of spoilers as well as some leaked cards. If you really want to talk about those, um, I, I want to. would love to hear your early takes. I want to start, though, with the mechanics. I want to hear what do you guys think about the new mechanics from... Uh, from uh, Kamigawa, we have channel, which I believe is kind of like a new cycling. We have modified. So it, yeah. that is a that's not a new mechanic. Just is gotta it? call that out. Really, was it from? Yeah, that is that is an existing yeah, it's, mechanic. It's from the first um, Kamigawa, right? Really? I never mm-hmm. played that. So sorry. Let me let me quick check. But it feels like cycling. It, so it's a, it's it's new to Pioneer. I'll say that then. I think yeah, new to I think Channel was only on really really bad cards before, so it never saw any play. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, should, should we just jump through these real yes. quick? So yes, yeah, so the Channel modified Ninjutsu reconfigure. Let's start with Channel. I see Channel as a new kind of cycling effect. So where do you guys see this in Pioneer? How do you feel about this mechanic? Yeah, like it's uh, it's it, it kind of depends, right? It's going to have a we are going to have at least a cycle of monocard colored rare lands that are all going mm-hmm. to be pretty powerful, I think. So because it's like it's just an ability, it can get countered, and mm-hmm. you can do that then at any time. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited for those. I think those have been some of the strongest things we've seen shown so far. And, you know, I, I'm going to have fun and try and build around a channel deck. Uh, I have some ideas for that. But as far as, you know, being all in on it, it, it's probably just that these lands will show up in everything. And maybe if there's one or two other good ones, we'll see it mm-hmm. here or there. Yeah. Okay. I like that there are good incentives to play monocolor or two colors because this, the space you have in a, like, three color or four color or more deck uh, colors to play, like, a basic land essentially is not that big. So mm-hmm. you can't really uh, play Bosejo in Nave, for example. You don't have mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. But you could play a couple of them in your Monoglin deck if you want. You know? Yeah, that's something I've really liked about Watsi's design recently in the last you know, years now, uh, is that for a long time, the trade-off between multicolored and monocolored was, okay, monocolored's faster because their lands are untapped. Multicolored's slower because their lands are tapped. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're paying life to get them into play. Um, and they've done a really good job, and I feel like Pioneer is the biggest example of that, that the mid-range decks in Pioneer, they're one or two colors because they want to be playing as many value lands as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we don't really see like a three or four color mid-range other than Niv just because you, you don't get to play all those utility lands. So card for card, you're going to be weaker than something like a mono-colored red deck that gets to play you know 10 12 utility lands maybe more than that with this new one mm-hmm. yeah you got creature lands now you got the channel lands so you got a lot sometimes you got multivolt you got a lot you got the deserts the you deserts, got mutavolts mm-hmm. you got um, spike field hazard all those things yeah. are great so i think yeah i mean th- other than Boseju, i think the other colored ones are probably going to be <laughs> kind of like the um uh, adventure in the forgotten realm uh man lands that we got people kind of yeah, they were kind of lukewarm on them. I wouldn't say that you know they didn't think that they were good, but no one really thought they were going to be as good as they could be. Like the Hydra de- or the the Hydra one, the Kraken one, even the black ones he's playing now. I I think you know everyone's all about Boseju, but like we're going to probably see you know some uh, red decks playing the red one. That and that's the only other one that's been spoiled right now. But I'm pretty sure we'll see 
uh, the other d cards in some other decks as well. So definitely don't. Well, here's a uh, here's an early chance for a hot take that I want to throw to mm -hmm. Claudio is what is the most of a single one of these channel lands that you would ever play in a deck? Uh, it kind of depends. Like, and I think those decks are not going to be so generic in Pioneer. I think if you are playing one of those, you are trying to do specific things. For example, I, th I so think the only deck... I guess what mm -hmm. I'm saying is, if you're a mono-red deck, mono deck, would you ever feel comfortable running four of the mono-red channel land? Mm, probably not. Probably, like, three at most. Mm. Like, you can discard it, but it's far mana to do that, so it's kind of expensive cycling. But Sage, it's, Yeah, and they're legendary, so... Besage. Yeah, I, I could see running four of the white one, you know, especially like in a white or two color deck. But yeah. I wouldn't. I could see myself playing four Besage, <laughs> to be honest, just because you know it destroys Mutavolts, it destroys, you know, like this is all any artifact, any enchantment. Yeah, but it has a drawback, right? So it yeah. cramps your opponent. So I I well, think Besage is going to be great in Lotus Field. Uh huh. Yeah, that's that's going to be scary. Is the fact that Lotus Field can find it? Um, you know, so Besaju, just because we're talking about it, if you guys haven't seen this one yet, it's that channel land. You have one in a green. You discard it from your hand, and it destroys an artifact enchantment or non-basic land and opponent controls. And then that player can search for a land with a basic type. Um, so it's also a legendary land that comes in untapped and taps for a, a single green. But yeah, I think Lotus Field is the scariest place. Is that? There's so many things that answer Lotus Field that are like enchantments, know, silence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, deafening silence or it's um, sure. you know, Eidolon so, even gets oh, hit by. Oh, it, Eidolon's really a great point. I, I got yeah. a question. Does Mox Amber? I mean, is this kind of a historic card? Would Mox Amber be able to be used? The turn he comes into play if you play Besage, you turn one. So Mox Amber specifies creature or planeswalker, okay. and it must share a color. This is not okay, a color. Okay, okay. You know, as a land, this doesn't yeah. have a color. So neither way. Okay, no. mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I haven't checked Mox Amber in a while. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So next one is that okay? Can can I talk about modified next? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So modified. This uh, basically means anything that is equipped has an aura on it or counters is considered as modified. So, how do you guys feel about this? Will this make it, for example, like, will this make it easier um, to make decks? I was going to say, you know, for example, like auras, for, for example, you can only really play uh, auras in that deck to, to get bonuses and whatnot. But if there was crossover to let you kind of throw in, for example, countered counters or, um, you know, some other type of uh, effect. You know, would would that make those types of strategies better? I think it's kind of hard to say. I didn't see any card that's same modified that really caught my eye, because it could be really anything. Like if they uh, print a human that cares about that, it could be good because of Talia's attainment, for example. Mm -hmm. So I think it. We have to wait and see. Yeah, you know, if we saw, like, a two-mana enchantment that modified creatures get plus one and plus one, like, modified creatures you control, that might be interesting. Um, right now, yeah, again, I haven't seen much right now that makes modified look good. I think, though, as far as your question, Ryan, I would say no, that if you're going to play a modified card, like a card that cares about modified, mm. it's probably going to be in a specific one of those three. So if you're, 
so if there was a modified card that's good you might play it in a scales deck expecting that all of your creatures will get counters Mm -hmm. or you'd play it in an auras deck expecting they all get auras i don't think you'd ever have one where it's like i've got some auras some equipment some counters um i don't think you'd ever really mix and match you'd probably play it in a more focused version the other thing Mm -hmm. i wanted to point out here is that it said counters not only plus one plus one counters and we just had i mean i just opened two boxes of ikoria so I know all about, you know, death, death and you touch counters. And you types of counters, yeah. Yeah, so those counters would also count. So throwing s- stuff like that uh, together. Well, and if you haven't seen, there are also ability counters in Kamigawa. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Funny so, story, I won a game yesterday because I was playing v- the Vivian from Ikoria. And she makes beasts with uh, counters. And my opponent only had the Heritage act, uh, act as a removal spell. Oh my! It's <laughs> oh. funny, funny interaction. But yeah, okay. So modified uh, ninjutsu. I think we talked about it a little bit before. I don't think we heard uh, Claudio's take on that. How do you feel about ninjutsu? Ninjutsu. I think it's a cool mechanic. I saw some cards that could be interesting. There's like a ninja that draws a card when mm-hmm. it connects. Yeah, but so far, I don't think I have seen anything amazing. Yeah, there's a black one, too. The black one uh, lets you uh, look at their hand if it has a menace counter on it. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a really good one. But it's a a leaked card. I'm not sure if we are talking about leaked cards here. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. That Uh, that one actually, I feel like it's maybe a little overhyped. Do we just want to... We'll talk about it. It'll be spoiled by the time this episode's out, probably. Is the three-mana legend. It's like a 3-2, and you can ninjutsu it for four. And when it hits, you like... You kind of ragavan. You like you flip each player's library, the top card, but it's each player. And you can cast one of those cards without paying its mana cost. Mm. Uh, but you pay life instead, I think. Yeah, and you pay life. So... Yeah. I think this card is really good, I think. Hmm. I'd like to see if it's any good. I, you know, kind of tough. I guess now we've got more black mid range, but it's it's hard to find a good spot for a mid range black mm. card. For I me. mean, you could just play this in mono black aggro, I think. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, we do. It, we haven't seen that deck in a while, mm-hmm. but if that could come back, it'd be great. There. I mean, the it's it's only a two, but the payoff it's so high if you manage to hit your opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's one more. Uh, reconfigure is the other mechanic that we're going to see in uh, Kamigawa. And basically, this lets you turn a equipment back into a creature and back into equipment and vice versa. Uh, this seems really interesting, to be honest, because you have... So I guess, how's it going to work if the creature dies while it's equipped? Can you still turn it into... Does it still turn back into a creature? So it'll come back right... It, so the creature it's attached to dies, it becomes a creature okay. right away. So uh, if you know they, you have this attached to something else and they play a Wrath of God, then you get your creature back right in a, Like It'll be in play as a creature. So that's nice. I'm really yeah. excited to have these cards in, uh, in soul decks. Yeah, so I... I definitely... Mm-hmm. I, yeah, go, go ahead. So I read this, the explanation about reconfigure and what it means is that you can pay the reconfigure cost to attach the equipment... Uh, into a creature so the uh, equipment creature stops being a creature and it also means that 
if another fat lets you attach this creature uh, it lets you attach equipments to a creature it also stops being a creature so what's really cool is that this uh, all of those works with cigar uh, aid uh, mm-hmm. the instant speed Yep, instant speed. You can yeah, equip so, it instant speed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, without without the reconfigure costs, it works like that. If you have Sigarda's Aid, for example. Wow, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, and some of those are pretty good, right? I think it's deceptively yeah, strong. Yeah, look pretty good. Like my hot take right now is that you know reconfigure is gonna be like the best thing to come out of the set. So I think where I'm a little more interested, and it you know ties into this reconfigure, is that there's a lot of cheap enchantment and artifact creatures. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to change the face of Pioneer just a little bit because you know having access to more cheap artifacts, there will definitely be some good things to come of that. You know, you might see some Toolcraft Exemplar decks, you might see some Shrapnel Blast decks, just because we've got a nice amount of playable artifact creatures that are you know a couple mana. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, re- I really like the white one, the Lion Sash. I think that card is really good. Yeah. You wanna? Well, how about how about this? How about um, we talk about the cards we're most excited for? Maybe we do like a top five for each of us or something like that, or we can comment on Ooh. other people. So, Claudia, why don't you start with Lion Slash or sorry, Lion Sash? Um, tell Sash. us why you're excited. Maybe like about two, just because yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do a top five on our okay. Actual well, how about when we got everything. how about three? Okay, pick three of the cards. Okay, three, three cards that you, three, you three, want, three. you're really excited about. We already talked about Poseidon, so I guess we can skip that one. But yeah, Claudia, what are your what are three cards from the set so far, from the spoiler okay, that you're really excited about? So let's see. Lion Sash is a good one, but I'm not excited about that one. Let's let's swap it. <laughs> you just know it's yeah, because good. because uh, let's be honest, I'm not playing so. Uh, so I'm very excited for Jukai Naturalist. So that's a green white hmm. bear. It's an enchantment creature, it has lifelink, and your enchantments cost one less to cast. So I'm going to be trying four of those in Incarnation. I think this card is really good. Like it helps you ramp and it's an enchantment that you can pot away. So I think this card does everything the deck wants. Isn't there Uh, all... I guess, yeah, I I was going to say, isn't there already something that makes things cost less but it's not an enchantment creature right mm, yeah yeah that's the key it's not an yeah, enchantment. so there's like a one and a green that's like a two two that makes enchantments cost one less and every time you cast one you gain one life i want to mm-hmm. say but the big difference there is it's not an enchantment itself yeah yeah like mm-hmm. yeah that's the big key uh the other card that i'm excited about it's kind of for incarnation as well it's the glo- gloom shrieker mm. Oh yeah, it's a- another enchantment creature that g- uh, lets you get a permanent back from your graveyard to your hand. So and it's a three drop, which is really good because the the deck didn't have any enchantment creatures at three before. So going going to get a four drop was difficult, and now it's easy because you have a creature that's really good that you wants wants to play anyways. So what'll be your four drop? You going back to Omnath, or do you want to play the uh, the Pegasus or the Archon? Uh, yeah, you Pegasus. can kind of get whatever you need. Like Yasharn, I was playing Yasharn the last time I was playing one. Mm. So, uh, what what about Spirited Companion in that deck? That was the one I thought would be more in the two drop slot. Yeah, you can play one of those instead of the Feeble Flip that some people play. Yeah. Um, and for yeah, I, I mean, I almost want to say it. It almost replaces a. 
you know, not an oath probably, but one of the other card draw cards, just because it's then that two drop creature and it just it draws a card and you can replace it. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And my oh, last card yeah, is a bit. It's kind of a speculative one, but it's the Wandering Emperor. Uh-huh. I'm going to I'm, go- I'm going to be trying to play those uh, that card in a couple different decks. First one is Blue White Control, and the second one is some kind of Fires deck, because she works well with Yorion. So like she she has yeah. Flash, and you can use her when uh, she enters play. So that works with the flash ability, and also it works with uh, the Yorion Blink. <laughs> so, like you could use the, you could use her uh, at the end of your turn, which is kind of cool. I think she's really good. I haven't been excited about a White Planeswalker since like Gideon Alley of Zendikar came out. <laughs> well, then you're better off than I am because I've been excited about a bunch of them and let down <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's it for me. Okay. What, what do you got as a quick top three? Uh, I wanted you to go first because mine's all jank. Ooh, okay. It's... Can I talk about a card that's not officially spoiled yet? Because I'm calling it as my number one. Mm. Uh, you know, like early number one card from the set, Light Pause. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one's pretty broken. Hopefully by the time this episode's out, it'll be officially spoiled. This one's like, it's a one and a white for a 2-2 Fox Advisor legendary creature. And whenever an aura, basically whenever you cast an aura... When it enters the battlefield, you search for another aura with a different name than the auras you already have in play, and it has to be the same or less. So it's the same or less, so it includes the same mana cost, um, and that just wins you the game really, really quick with stuff like all the glitters and ethereal armor. So I think this card is maybe not format warping, but I think it's going to really, really put auras on the map and be one of the best cards from this set. I'm going to call it as the thing I'm most excited about, and I want to call that it's broken early so that you guys all heard it here first. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't believe the text on this card. It's so broken. If it lives, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Um, two, I'm just going to say Buseju. Uh, maybe that's cop out because we already talked about it. If I'm not saying ones we already talked about... Um, let me say, you know, I'm going to try and mess around with Mirror Box because it's uh-huh. cool. Uh, Where would you put it? How would you play it? And I do, you know, I, I'm interested in Bard class. I don't think it'll be good enough, but I want to try it just because I was thinking about like, okay, turn three, you play Mirror Box. Turn four, you play um, Bard class on an empty board. You take it up to two. You play three of Galia. <laughs> do you know how much damage that is? Yeah. That's 24 damage. Oh my god. <laughs> like, just those three attacking would be 24 damage. You know damage. what? Why not? That sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> um, I'm also interested in, you know, seeing what Tamio can do. I don't know if there's a spot for her, but she's also a really cool card. I'll probably have more competitive ones for the actual uh, top list when we do a set review, but those are my early... Uh, I yeah, want to see what is, they can isn't do. it kind of lame that the only card with Phyrexian money in the set is kind of bad? Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I have no... I mean, I have no interest in blue cards, but uh, I'm interested to see Tamiyo see some play. I'm interested in the uh, evoke cycle. I, you know, we haven't we've only seen two of them so far when we're recording this, but I want to see what the rest are because I love the idea of strong cards that you really only want to play in monocolored. Although I hope they, I'm worried about the white one because I don't think Wizards has any idea how to make, you know, like cards for a mono white control deck. Mm-hmm. 
right. Was that your three then? Is it my turn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least my three. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, I feel like you're going to name some goblins, uh, right? Not goblins this time. Like, I've been excited about Insole re- recently, and I'm really excited for Lizard Blades, which is a 1-1 for two mana double strike. And it has... Uh, re- has reconfigure so you can turn it back into a creature afterwards or you can just uh you know play it as uh sorry uh, you can play it as a creature so, so you're gonna equip you, it yeah and, there we yeah, go go back yeah, yeah so i really like this in and so because you can put it in soul on it and it becomes a five five double striker right mm-hmm. and you know you could also just put it on something that's indestructible already like your dark steel citadel and you have a uh, a five five indestructible you know double striker so something like this it just seems like it could see a lot of I don't want to say see a lot of play. It, it can make a huge impact in in that type of deck. So really excited. I was joking around. Can we like can we cut blue and just play in Solus and Soul? Solus you and know, soul. Pl- yeah. It, <laughs> play all those. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of really good white creatures mm-hmm. at, that deal with artifacts recently. Uh, just play all of those and play Shrapnel Blast and forget about the blue. Huh. No way. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the only blue deck no, I'd ever consider playing, probably, at this point. <laughs> so that's that's All right, I'm... all right. Barely counts as blue. Barely counts as blue. Um, because Just because uh, Claudio didn't t- t- talk about it, I uh, I definitely am excited for Lion Sash as well, the 1-1. The one, one. It also has Reconfigure. Um, it gets a counter for each 1-1. One, one. Sorry, it gets plus one, plus one for each 1-1 one, one counter on Lion Slash, and you can put counters on them by exiling uh, a card from a graveyard. So this is basically like scavenging ooze without the life link. Or, sorry, without the life gain, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this card is going to be insane, if not like on Pioneer, but it's going to be insane in Modern because you can now find Graveyard Hate with Stormforge Mystic there. Like, like mm-hmm. Reconfigure kind of reminds me of Bestow from the old theros block you know when you like put something on top of a, a creature as an enchantment and then um you know it would fall off when the creature dies but you still have the enchantment creature which is really nice mm-hmm. except that you can actually play this as uh, i guess the the difference is that you have to play this as a creature first before equipping it yeah there's like a window where you play the reconfigure cost and your opponent can kill your creature yeah Unless you have Sigarda, Sigarda's uh, thing in play. Sigarda's aid. Sigarda's aid. Do an instant speed yeah. and they try to kill it. Mm-hmm. It's like it'd be just like the lit. Was it lit licids or whatever? Lit the things from like that. What was it? Tempest. Oh, we don't talk about li- yeah licids. We don't talk about licids. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited about that one. And uh, it's so hard to choose one more. I'm gonna go janky because I probably won't be able to talk about this on uh, the top top five for our, our set review, but I'm kind of excited about uh, Surge Hacker Mech just because. Uh, so if you guys don't know this, let me read it to you real quick. It's a four mana five five with menace. It's a vehicle with crew four, and when it enters the battlefield, it deals damage equal to twice the number of vehicles you control. To target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls and as you know i played dwarves uh red white dwarves a while back and i was always kind of like missing like kind of like removal and stuff like that but this kind of like does everything for that deck it's removal um it's uh, a big body uh it has evasion and i can switch <sighs> it up with magda so oh no it's the colossal plow deck all over colossal again plow, yeah <laughs> 
Oh, you know, wait, we got we got Claudio on here, and we got Ryan. If we're going to talk about, you know, we were talking about Mirrorbox just briefly. Uh-huh. What about you know Kinnan, Kinnan Magda? Yeah. Um, you could even play multiple Paradox yeah. engines. Do it. Kinnan yeah, there, there's like themselves. a common that uh, neither of us talked about. Uh, it's basically a new Springleaf drum. Uh, Mo- oh yeah, yeah, that one's prototype. cool too. So that card is really strong, and I'm probably going to try to make the Kinnan deck work again, as I try every set. Yep. <laughs> well, maybe we'll bring you on for our brew episode yeah. just after spoilers. <laughs> Anyways, so anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up this episode for the day? Episode for the day. That was good. I enjoyed it. Well, we, we enjoy you, Ryan. So thank you for joining us, Claudio. Uh, for everyone listening out there, we are the First Pioneers Podcast. You can find us at MTG Pioneer on Twitter. It's the best place to stay up to date on everything Pioneer. We tweet out all kinds of news, information, interesting combos, and random fun facts. You can also find a link to our Discord there if you want to be even more in touch with us. You guys can find me on Twitter at YoJapanHobbyist. And, uh, of course, I'm also on the Discord channel, so feel free to talk to me in there as well. And, Claudio, how about you? How about your socials? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter on CloudjewelHMTG, and you can also find me on Twitch on the same name. And I also have a Patreon with my, my buddies. Uh, it's called Tacting9. So if you want uh, sideboard guides and articles about decks, uh, give, give us uh, a try. All right. Absolutely the best competitive Pioneer content yes. out there right now. So. Go ahead and do uh, and follow them. Thank you again for joining us, Claudio. And we will be talking about more and some come go spoilers soon, as soon as we've got the full set out. And we'll uh, probably have you back on uh, not too long from now, just to talk about some new cards and new decks. Thank you one last time to everyone out there listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this. We are your first pioneers podcast, and we are your go-to source for pioneer information online. The first pioneers are popping out. <laughs>